0: 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and now Paul makes a, a radical move here in this morning's message called Laying Up Treasure. He makes a radical move, and it's kind of strange that he goes from chapter 15, which is all about the resurrection, our life that we're going to live because we're in Christ, that eternal perspective that we should have, and he now turns it right to the practical. And I believe as he wraps up this letter, he does so because that usually is the disconnect that most people have. We come, we hear the word of the Lord, we study the word of the Lord, and we get our eyes focused on heaven. And the very first thing that we're tempted to do is to get our eyes off of the things that we practically need to do while we're still here absorbing space. Amen? Because we're here in the Lord for a plan and for a purpose. We have been left here for the gospel's sake. In other words, to bring the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. When we do that, we're doing that in very practical ways. And let me share this with you. One of the things that people often mistake is the purpose of the church, though centrally is to teach the word, to pray, to fellowship, gather together as we're doing this morning, there's a lot of other practical things that we do that shed that light into the world. Uh, Our food ministry does that. Once a month, we gather together here. uh, On average, we're ministering to 70, 80 different families, sometimes a couple hundred people a month. We give away. We do not sell. Nobody buys it for us. You all pay for that food that goes out, a couple of tons of it every month. Uh, that goes out into the community. It's not a social service. It doesn't happen because we get government cheese. It happens because as the body of Christ, we have been called to meet the needs of those who have need. And so we do that. We support a number of different missionaries all over the world. Uh, We have people that are in some of the most poor places on earth that you all support every single month. The gospel goes out through that. It takes money to do those things. And so Paul is now going to talk a little bit one more time about giving. I'll remind you if you're here and you're visiting with us, we don't talk about money except when it is in Scripture. It happens to be that passage that we get to this morning, so we're going to. But from a very different perspective than we saw back in chapter 9. This one is in the practical sense of taking care of the needs that exist in the world. And in this case, it was a, a, a group, a church that was in Jerusalem, that this group in Corinth was helping to support. And so this morning, uh, laying up treasure, this, this change between the eternal and right back to the earthly so that we might faithfully live out our lives while we're here. Well, let's ask the Lord to bless the message this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of of being the pastor of this church and, Lord, for all the amazing things that uh, you've allowed us to accomplish. And so, Lord, we pray that you just pour out your spirit into us in the short time that we have uh, in your word this morning. Would you bless us with the knowledge of you? Uh, Help us to have the right perspective on earthly things, Lord. Help us to hang on loosely uh, to that which we've been blessed with. God, we just give you this time, pray now, that you would speak Use your word to instruct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 here in First Corinthians chapter 16, and, and now I'm reading from the New Living Translation, again because I think it gives a little bit of extra emphasis to the subject matter at hand, and says now about the money being collected for the Christians in Jerusalem. And so it's very clear that he's talking about cash here. Not a popular subject in church, but it's one that I think... Uh, not only do we need to talk about occasionally, but it's very important because I don't think that there's anything that holds most people back like money. Money is one of those things that's very tough for us to get our little grummy hands and kind of say, you know, Lord, no, it really is yours. Uh, it, it belongs to you. Everything I have is yours. And so uh, this this act that we do that's called giving is actually an act of worship. And here's why I say that. Because in order for us to give, we must have first received, amen. Everything we have comes from the Lord. He is Jehovah Jireh. You don't have a single thing that actually is you. You have what he's allowed you to have, and you're a steward as a Christian. Uh, You've been given those things. And so as we give back to the Lord, we're really giving back what he's already given us. Amen? So it's an act of worship. It's not just something that we do practically. It's actually a way that we say, God, we trust you. God, we rely on you. God, we worship you. And so it isn't something that's just a financial thing. It's a heart issue. Money is a heart issue for the Christian. Money is not just a financial thing. It's not a budget thing. It's a heart thing. It's God, does, does what I possess in my bank account still belong to you, or does it belong to me? And you can always tell by the way that you hang on to it, what you do with it. And so he says, now about the money being collected for the Christians in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a long ways from Corinth. It's not just down the street. They were making preparation for a church that they were helping to support. You should follow the same procedures that I gave the churches in Galatians. So he, he points back to a time when he talked to the church at Galatia and said, here's what I want you to do. On every Lord's day, we just circle the word every. And that's very important. I'm going to give you some principles in, in giving this morning. On every Lord's day, not once a month, Not twice a year, not when you get paid, not every other Sunday, on every Lord's Day. And there's a reason for that, and we'll get to it in a bit. On every Lord's Day, how many of you? Each of you. That means everybody in the body of Christ. Each of you. All of us. Everyone. And again, the reason behind this is the worship of the Lord with our possessions. Each of you, all of us, on each Lord's day, should put aside some amount of money in relation to what you've earned and save it for this offering. In other words, what he's saying is we need to be consistent, we need to be purposed, we need to be absolutely dedicated, and we need to be worshipful in the money that we have in our possession. It's God's money, and he wants to meet needs with it. It's not my money. It's not just the things that I pay bills with. It isn't what uh, I use to buy cars and houses and all those kinds of things. It's God's, and he's entrusted it to us. And so he says, on every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside some amount of money in relation to what you've earned and save it for this offering. Now he goes on to give some further instruction. Don't wait. Don't, don't think, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Don't wait until I get there and then try and collect it all at once. That's a practical exhortation, by the way, which we'll also get to in a minute. The reason that he says many of these things is because of the propensity that we have as human beings to do exactly the opposite of what he's saying. Well, you know, if I feel like it or if I've had a good month or, you know, that bonus check comes in or, you know, we look at all those things. Can I remind you that the needs of people don't change because you do or do not get a bonus check or I do or do not get a bonus check or I have a good month or a bad month? People's poverty, their needs, their bills the, the needs of this church, the needs of our missionaries that we support, the needs of those ministries that we support on a regular basis do not change because we do or do not have that extra money or that, you know, extra thing that's supposedly going to come our way so that we can take care of the needs of the church. He's making a practical exhortation here right back to the heart of the issue is, and that is if we want to consistently be able to minister in this world that we live in, then we need to be equally consistent in the things that we do with our finances. Because those needs don't change. Our mortgage here at this church doesn't go up or down because we do or do not get a paycheck. It's the same every month just like your mortgage is. Those ministries that we support rely on those funds that we send them to do their work. That doesn't change. Their mortgage doesn't go away either. And so he's reminding us that when we get engaged in the work of the Lord, it should be a priority for us. If we want to have God's blessing, we need to take up his work with the same vigor with which we plan for vacations, with which we pay our own mortgage, with which we do the things that we do in our lives. And so he says, I I don't want you to try and collect it all at once, because that's not going to work real good. It needs to be systematic. And when I come, I will write write letters of recommendation for the messengers that you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. He says, I'm not collecting it for myself. It's not for personal gain. It's going to go on to Jerusalem where it belongs. But we need to make sure it happens. And the only way we make sure it happens is if we all join in together. And so he's drawing this beautiful picture of how the body of Christ is able to do things that we as individuals could not. If I left it up to the Gill family to support the missionaries that we have in the field right now around the world, it wouldn't happen. If we were to sit here and say, well, you know, I just think I feel like, you know, making sure that the Running Springs has a Calvary Chapel in it, so I'm just going to pay the mortgage myself, it wouldn't happen. It's one of those things that we can do together that causes a greater work for the Lord to be able to be done that I couldn't accomplish myself, and neither could you. We accomplish those things together. And so he says, I'll write a letter of recommendation for those that you deem appropriate to take these funds and deliver them to Jerusalem. If it seems appropriate for me also to go along, then we can travel together if it works out that we could do these things together, I'd be delighted to go. And so it begins by giving us a purpose for giving. He he indicates that um, people really don't like to hear about money. He says, but there's a purpose behind it. You see, the purpose then was extreme poverty existed in the Roman world for Christians. That was the problem. Can I say to you that extreme poverty still exists in our world today? Amen? It exists in our community. It is, it is mind-boggling, having been here involved in ministry in Running Springs for more than 20 years. I can tell you, we have some poor people in town. We have people who have need. And, and there are no government programs that take care of those needs on a consistent basis that uh, they necessarily are going to be able to get at a moment's notice. For those of you that have had the opportunity to, to be involved in any of our social programs, social services, sometimes those things take weeks, months, years. You know, a mom in our parking lot doesn't need a promise. She needs money. A mom in our parking lot doesn't need a promise. She needs food. A mom in our parking lot with her three kids doesn't need a promise. She needs a warm place to stay. That doesn't happen if we sit and well, you know, we'll just call everybody up and see if anybody's got any extra food or extra money. We need to do it in advance, and we do, by the way. I want to make sure that you understand this in no way, shape, or form is anything but an acknowledgement that we're already doing these things. Praise the Lord for that. But it is because of the faithful giving of people in this church that we're able to meet that need. I had one on Friday. I had a guy walk into my new office up there, which you can come visit, and say, hey, you, you know, I've got my family down here. We're from North Carolina, and we got here, and we're out of gas, and we don't know what to do. We're supposed to be in San Diego. And, you know, bottom line is, here, not be warm and be filled. Here's money for gas. Here's some money for a place to stay. And here's some money for you to go buy some food. You, you can't do that with promises. You can't look at him and go, well, I'll pray about it, Brother. It doesn't do a thing. Our missionary friends in Africa, well, we're going to pray about helping you, and while we're praying, they're starving. And so he he makes it very clear that we have an obligation, a practical obligation, because we have been so blessed. You know, when I came in this morning, I, I I was kind of cracking up because I'm I'm a little bit a creature of habit with regard to clothing and those kinds of things. And I look in my closet and I realize I have every jacket that I've purchased for the last 20 years in the closet. And, and I'll never wear, and I'm like, good grief, I have like six of these things in here. And, you know, it's been my goal the last year or so to try and give most of that stuff away. It's just crazy to have all these things in there. But, you know, somebody gives you a new one, you just save the old one. It's the same with us as the church. We have been so blessed, we need to give. And that's Paul's instruction here. We've been blessed. Let's give. Let's take care of somebody else. Let's let them know in a practical way that God sees their need and loves them. And let's give to them. Because times were tough in Jerusalem. You know, sometimes the only thing that we can do is share in that way. Uh, here, let me share something with you. now. Think about this for a moment. To send one person to Africa, okay, to send one person to Africa for one week is probably going to cost us two to three thousand dollars. Do you realize that probably feed ten to fifteen families for a year? And so sometimes the best thing that we can do is just simply meet the need. They don't necessarily need us to go. They just need to know that somebody cares. That that somebody sees it. That God's looking down from heaven and seeing that need and meets that need from Running Springs to South Sudan. That gives glory to the Lord. But we can't do it with just, well, you know, God laid it on my heart to go. And, And to some degree... As our brother Chuck's been in Africa, he can tell you it's important to also go. But it is equally important to provide for somebody to be there, even if we don't go. And so here it was Jerusalem. For us, maybe it's our friend Celso, who's down in, in Santos, which is a part of Sao Paulo, which is very poor. Maybe it's Chego, also in Brazil. You know, as we look at these brothers and sisters that we've been supporting for a very long time, the fruit of that ministry, do you realize, abounds to your accounts. You're going to meet people in heaven that you directly had an impact in their lives just from faithful giving. Giving is worship. It isn't just about the dollars and cents. It's about what God does with that dollars and cents to proclaim his name in a very practical way. We've had people that have come to Christ from the food ministry. People that have given their lives to Jesus simply because they came here and got some bags of groceries. That's what it's about. It's about us doing what God's called us to do. Obviously, the obligations that we have are, are many But Galatians 6.10 tells us that we are to do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So one of the things that's in view here in these principles of giving is, is that we need to take care of our own. Amen? There are times when people in this church just are struggling. They're having a tough time. We want to be able to corporately do something about it. We can do that privately, and you all do, by the way, and I see it, I see the results of it constantly. I I can't even tell you how many stories I've had, you know, somebody in the church came and I had this need and they just came and did it. I've heard the stories of, you know, cords of firewood being dumped in the driveway of somebody who, you know, had a need. I've heard the stories of every kind of appliance known to man being dropped off at somebody's house. I have heard of the cars we have had in this house after the fire. We had homes given to people in this church. So, so it's a testimony to the, to the right perspective on these things. But we who know these things have an obligation to teach these things because they are central to our understanding of the full plan of God while we're still on this earth. It's very, very, very practical. And so he gives some principles here that I want to go through very quickly. And first is the period of giving. Because it's an act of worship, Note what he says, on the first day of the week. That's when the church met. He said on the first day of the week, gather together, and not as some legalistic requirement, but as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what, there's going to be needs this week, and we want to be ready to meet them. That's the period. Because you know what, when people come and they say, you know what, we need to do this or we need to do that, and we can't meet every need. Let me be very clear here. There are times when we specifically maybe have helped somebody repeatedly, and it's just time to say, you know what, you're not fixing the, You're doing nothing about it yourself. We're just simply helping you continue to stay in poverty. We do reach that point at times. But we want to be able to, whenever those things come, be a witness for the goodness of the Lord and we don't say oh well you know we're just so awesome and you know we've got this big bank account and we have a huge food pantry and we just want you to be the beneficiaries of how great we are it's not that at all we say you know what god loves you god sees your need and god has made provision for you to do so- for us to be able to do something about it here here it is and so the period Uh, that's described here is every single week on the first day of the week when we gather together, not some kind of spasmodic, you know, well, I'll do something this month, but not next month. And if you do that, then you're basically saying nobody can have any needs. The church can't have any bills. The staff doesn't need to get paid. We don't need insurance for that two months. You, You see, you have to personalize it as worship. And say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to be as faithful in this as you are to me in salvation. You're not going to go two months without being covered by the blood. Amen? Think about it. Well, you know, I'll just give when I feel like it. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus is hanging on the cross and say, well, you know, every other month on the third Thursday, I'm going to think about it. Amen? He's faithful. We need to be faithful. All the time. The second thing, the participants. Notice the all of you, the each one of you. It's all inclusive. There is nobody left out. And the reason being, again, is it's not a financial issue. It's a hard issue. It's an act of worship. Are we all to be worshipers? Yes. Maybe some worship more in this way than others in a sense of an amount. But not as a sense of heart. You see, my sense of heart should be generous all the time, whether I'm in poverty or whether I'm in great abundance. I should still be having the same heart. And so maybe some weeks or some months I can do much more. Maybe some weeks there's not quite as much. Maybe that abundance has come uh, in a time when you're you're just like, man, I don't even need this. And so there is a sense that the amount can change, but the heart shouldn't change. My heart should always be inclined to be giving because the Lord always gives to me. And so the participants is all of us, no matter what our economic situation is. That's why you remember G- when Jesus used the parable of the, the widow with two mites. Do you know what he eventually said? This woman in her poverty has given more than all of you. Do you know why? Because it was a heart issue. She didn't have anything to give, but she gave two copper coins that were worth a cent. And Jesus said, that's a giver. It's the very same thing that David said. He said, I will not return unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. I want it to be an act of worship. Here it is, Lord. Here's, here's Here's your goodness poured out to me. Jesus would go on to say, for he is faithful in the very little things is faithful in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. You see, there's a direct correlation between how we handle the things that we've been entrusted with and, and how we worship the Lord. They can't be separated. And in fact, I'm not sure that there's anything in a practical way that really says, Lord, I really do love you. I really do trust you so much so that I'm going to invest in the ministry that you've called me to be blessed in. And so we do that not out of compulsion, but freely. That's why Paul would go on in the second letter and he would say, God loves a cheerful giver. Not a begrudged giver. Not somebody who wakes up, I've got to write out my tithe check again. Oh man, that's got a lot of zeros on it. Oh, God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because he cheerfully gave himself on the cross to you. And I don't mean, oh, for joy, I'm going to die. But he said, I'm giving it all. I'm giving you everything. The place of giving. That was the church. Notice it doesn't say you keep it. You know why that is? And it's not that you can't, by the way, just meet needs yourself. In fact, you're actually commanded to do that. When you see that your brother has need, you who are spiritual, make sure you meet that need. You, you, You see... But the place of giving is the church. And again, as I've shared with you already, it's because we can do bigger things than each one of us could do individually. Most of you are not going to be able to effectively pay someone else's mortgage, but we can and do and have done that through the church. Most of you could not support missionaries in a full and complete way on a monthly basis. It would be um, an amount of money that probably is too much for many of us. But we can do that together. I could not make the mortgage payment on this church myself, but we can and do do it together. Which, by the way, now, thanks to the goodness of the Lord, is now not much greater. The mortgage on this church, family of God, because of your faithfulness, is now about what any of us probably pay for a mortgage payment on our own homes. Praise the Lord. And that's the only debt that we have. It's because of faithfulness. It's because of... God's people going, you know what? I'm going to worship the Lord in this way. And so we get to do all these things. That heat that seems like it's maybe not quite high enough right now, that's paid for by your... (laughs) That that snow that's out in the parking lot, that doesn't just evaporate because it's church. (laughs) We actually pay somebody to plow it. All those things that we get to do. That's because of the faithfulness of you, God's people. And the place is here. You know, it's amazing to me sometimes that we get kind of caught up in doing our own thing. And and that's why it has to also be entrusted into the hands of someone who's going to administrate those funds correctly. We have a board of trustees, a board of elders here that oversee the funds of the church so that they're spent properly and effectively and completely We have money in the bank. We have money in investments. We have a whole bunch of equity in this property, all those things. That's because of faithful giving giving that's being watched over faithfully by faithful men who love the Lord. The church is able to do that. But what happens when you you get committees together and you get a bunch of people with a bunch of ideas, then everybody kind of wants to do their own thing. And that's why it was given into the hands of godly men within the church. It's like, let's pray over these things. Let's decide what the Lord wants to do, and then let's do it. Let's not spend all kinds of time talking about it. Because if we put it in committee, that's exactly what will happen. We'll all talk about it. I guarantee you, if we decide, let's have a committee to determine what color to paint the walls in the sanctuary, we'd get about as many people as we have in the sanctuary right now. We'd get that many ideas, probably a few more, because some would have more than one. (laughs) And nothing would ever happen. And so it says, make sure that it's placed uh, in the hands of of those who can take care of it. It To support God's people, for God's leader, for God's ministry, uh, to do the work of the Lord. The proportion of the giving that we ought to be doing. Uh, Paul's exhortation here is completely discretionary. As I shared with you before, and I won't belabor it, all you need to do is read Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, and you'll see very clearly that the only standard that we have is the Old Testament standard. It's never been revoked. It's never been repeated. Uh, It was predated the Jewish people. It predated the church. And so that that amount, really, if you will, that proportion, is still the biblical tithe. It just simply means a tenth. And the reason being, again, is it was an act of worship when Abraham met, met Melchizedek. It's still an act of worship when I meet with the Lord in my giving here at this church. It will always be an act of worship. And because of that, that proportion that we do uh, is just simply supposed to, to be a, a condition of my heart. Lord, I know that there are great needs. I want to be a part of meeting those needs. And so the Lord says to us, give as it's been given to you. Press down, overflowing, without measure. When you read that passage there in Malachi, it actually says, test the Lord in this and see if he is not good. It also furthermore says... He will keep the devourer from your door, that he actually protects you in that act of giving. It's something that we receive a blessing from the Lord in. And so it's the only thing that I've found in the entire Bible where it says, test the Lord in this. And so we do. And so that proportion, the protection of that giving... When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I shall send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. You you see, if we do it ourselves, then sometimes our motivations aren't correct. I can tell you there have been times when I have met needs that I should not have met because I did not seek godly counsel. There are needs that I didn't meet that I should have met, met because I was personally invested or thought a certain way about that thing. And so the protection in giving in a corporate sense is we, there, there are a bunch of eyes that are looking over those funds. There, there is that sense that we're corporately doing something that you and I might be a little bit prejudiced one way or another in doing. And so the body can do it actually more effectively. So there's protection in it. The other thing that happens, and I want to share this with you, and I want to really encourage you, We have resources at this church. If somebody's in need, make sure we know about it so that we can meet that need, because most often we can help in some way, shape, or form. But I'll tell you what happens if it just is a bunch of individuals trying to do the same thing. Very often, either the need does not get met sufficiently, or it gets met in a way that's not really beneficial to the end result. I can tell you that we've had people that have gotten in amongst, and I will tell you, they are wolves in amongst the sheep. And they come and they ask so-and-so for some money, and they ask so-and-so for some money, and they ask another person for some money, and then they stand out in front of the church after, oh, you know, I don't have any gas and I don't have this. There is protection when you bring it to the elders of the church because we know who those people are. We've watched for that, and, and the our brothers and sisters who are able to see that, I can tell you my wife knows the, the ladies that are in that category as well. And so as the ladies would be able to say, no, you know, we've been helping them for two or three months now, and they're just simply not doing anything themselves to get out of that situation. There is protection in the fact that the body is a bigger functioning organ, if you will, in the body of Christ than just one individual. And so we can more effectively uh, do that. And then finally, to end with this this morning, the perspective that's offered up for us. And if it's fitting for me also to go, then they can go with me or I will go with them. The perspective is, here, here's the way it works. Paul wanted this gift that was going to be taken to Jerusalem to be honoring to the Lord. And so if it was fitting, in other words, you could put God's stamp on it. As I shared with you, what we don't want to do is fail to meet a need that should be met or meet a need that shouldn't be met. Both those things are very true. And as the church is involved in, in that act of giving and as we have the resources to help, very often it is that we are able to send the check with Pastor Chuck or maybe with Pastor Dave or Pastor Mike, or we, we're able to say, you know what, you take this and go take it to that person so that they can know that it came from the Lord. You, you see, that's the perspective. We don't want to do anything that doesn't glorify the Lord. We want to do everything that we can to glorify the Lord. And there are a lot of things in this world that are simply practical. And if we can meet those practical needs in a very worshipful way, then guess who gets the glory for it? It's the Lord. And whether that person ever comes back and attends this church, we don't really care as long as God gets the glory. It's not a requirement for you to get help from this church, that you be a member of this church. Number one, have you ever noticed? We don't actually have a membership. If you come here, you're a member. Kind of crazy, huh? You come and you support the member, you're a member. I think that's actually the biblical model. But we don't, well, you know, uh, we were just looking through our attendance records, and you've missed like three Sundays in the last two months, so uh, forget it. Where do you find that in the Word? We're just supposed to be open to God being able to send whoever He wants so that we can bless them and help. And the ultimate goal is is that perspective is, man, we want them to know that the Lord saw. That's why in 1 John, and I want to end with this, chapter 3, it says this in verse 17, But whosoever has the world's goods and beholds and sees that his brother has need, and closes his heart, notice it's a heart issue, it's not a pocketbook issue, it's not a checkbook issue, it's a heart issue, closes his heart against him. How can he say that the love of God dwells in him? The only way that we can do that effectively is through the effective worship of the Lord and our giving. It's that simple. So that we have the funds to do it. So that we're not going around calling up a bunch of people, You know, somebody comes to my office and I, you know, call 10 of you and go, man, you got an extra five bucks because I got somebody here in my office. It's not going to work very well. Pastor Jeff's going to run out of money. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I can take care of this one, but I can't take care of all of them. And nor have I been called to. But we together can do some pretty amazing things and have. And we continue to do so. And so, two things. Make sure that your giving is an act of worship. And secondarily, thank you for your faithfulness. Because it's been pretty amazing to watch. And I guarantee you, if you talk to any of the leadership of this church, talk to Pastor Chuck, talk to Pastor Dave, talk to Pastor Mike, talk to these men who oversee those finances, you're going to find out that it's pretty amazing what the Lord's done. And we are blessed. Continue to do that. If you've been struggling in that area, if you've been struggling financially, I can tell you the secret to it is being faithful with what God does give you. If you want more, you need to be faithful with what you have. And if you're faithful with what you have, then he will entrust more. That's the way it works. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning. And Lord, I, I want to just ask, that I pray there's no one here who feels that they, they've been pressured. God, it, it's not that at all. It's just the way to blessing is is through obedience. And God, I pray, we pray that you would continue to expand uh, the bounds of this ministry. And God, whether there's few or many here, or whether there's much or little, God, that all that we have and all that we do and all that we say would be used for your kingdom and for your glory. And we're so privileged, Lord. Thank you for this building. God, thank you for these people. Thank you for the work that goes on through this church every day. Thank you for the kids and children's ministry and those in the nursery right now. Thank you for the fact that we can give away CDs, Lord. Thank you for the website and all the things that you've made great provision for through the faithful giving of your people. And, Lord, as we do that this day, we pray that you would just be smiling from heaven because of the act of worship that we do as we give. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.